Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to another Monday edition of What's Going Down when there's been a WWE PLE to talk about. And I'm my name's Kenny Mactos, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin and Finn. The last couple of times we've talked about WWE PLEs, Crown Jewel, Fast Lane, Payback, you know, they, they were fine, but there wasn't any blockbuster news for us to talk about. And I feel the like Survivor Series definitely gave us some stuff to talk about. <laughs> That's it, earth shattering. Mm-hmm. Earth shattering. I mean, what a moment! What a ending to Survivor Series. I mean, we sort of, we sort of thought it might happen, but I mean, I didn't go out there and say yes, this is going to happen because, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't really see the point of making that big declaration because I've been more, <laughs> wrong more, more times than I've been right. But I mean, I did sort of had a, I had a fate. I thought he would return. I thought it might be held off to Royal Rumble, but they decided to pull the trigger and make it happen on Saturday at Survivor Series, and it was the right decision. I mean, judging by that reaction and the response online, it was the right decision, wasn't it, Kenny? Yes. I mean, it's interesting. There's there's so many parts of it to unpack, which we will as we talk about it, but. Yeah, I mean, I figured if he was going to, you know, we knew that he was up for coming back and it was whether WWE wanted him back or not. And, you know, they're in this they're in this position where they're really hot and they've got a chance to add a very hot act to their yeah. 
because I, I, I'm going to ask you this question now, and we can talk about punk properly later, but I was trying to rack my brain yesterday about the situation. Can you think of any other wrestler who has kind of ended up being a topic of conversation for so long in the way that punk has? Cause it feels like the last few years he has dominated the discourse, whether he's around or whether he's not. Yeah, I mean, probably in the 90s, Ultimate Warrior, People would talk about him a lot, um, but it was a different time. And this was pre-internet or very few people had the internet in 1996 or whatever. I didn't get the internet until 1997. So it did, it obviously existed, but very few people had the internet in 96. But the Warrior was a was an, uh, not a constant source of debate, but uh, lots of people would talk about him. Um, and Hogan as well, when he was not a part of a large company, um, there was always conversation about where he would go next. But I mean, certainly in, in recent years, I can't think of anyone who has commanded the conversation like CM Punk has. I mean, for good reasons and for bad reasons as well. Um, as we as we all know, I mean, whether you're a fan of his or not. I mean, even if you are a dyed-in-the-wool, blinkered, you know, super fan of CM Punk, you have to admit that he does bring baggage with him and problems. You know, mm-hmm. he might not be responsible for all of them, but when he's around, well, at least it was very much the case in AEW and in WWE as well at the end of his run there in 2014, he was a guy that, you know, was controversial and, you know, problems followed him. He did bring drama with him. Um, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, a testament to the level of star that he is that companies are willing to put up with this. Because if he was just plain toxic, right, if he was just a disaster, he wouldn't be a part, he wouldn't have been a part, AEW would never have brought him back, and WWE would not have signed him and um, reintroduced him at Survivor Series on Saturday. So, you know, even though he does have, you know, there's a downside to CM Punk, there is a huge upside as well. Indeed. Well, we'll we'll go into him more later on, but obviously we've got Survivor Seed to talk about. Before we do, though, was there anything from the the go-home Smackdown on Friday night that stuck out to you build-wise or or, or otherwise that you thought was worth giving a mention to? Um, I mean, I think... um, I mean, the main event certainly, you know, did... um, You know, it was a very uh, story-heavy main event, wasn't it? I mean, Bailey. Uh, the story going into the match it was Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair versus Bailey and Asuka in the main event. And the story was, could Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair get along? Could they coexist? Yeah. You know, did they hate each other more than they hated their opponents? Um, so that was very much the thrust of the show. Um, at the end of the match, Bailey shoved Becky Lynch into Charlotte Flair and then pinned uh, Becky with a fluke roll-up, Kenny. Flute roll up. We love the flute roll up on this on this podcast. We love it. We can't get enough of it. The most, every de- the most, win, the most every... devastating move in the in the history of wrestling. The the, the roll up. Flute roll up. That's it. The flute roll roll up uh, claimed another casualty. <laughs> I mean, I felt like you know that was a really good end to the show because you know, and and that's real. People know that they fell out um, in away from the ring. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. So I thought that was very. Smart of them to you know work that real fallout into the storyline. So I thought that was a you know really good way to end the show. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot underneath that was you know really that big or really had that much of a bearing 
on Survivor Series, with the exception of the beatdown by Santos Escobar on Carlito. So Carlito was then medically, medically disqualified from wrestling Santos Escobar at Survivor Series and then Dragon Lee, who saved Carlito from the attack by Escobar. He went to Nick Aldis and said, you know, I want you know, I want Escobar at Survivor Series. Book me in that match. And Aldis agreed to it. So I suppose, yeah, there were they they were probably the main two developments from SmackDown that had yeah. a, a bearing on Survivor Series. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I think so. And then the only other, other thing really of note that happened was we did have a Grayson Waller effect where Austin Theory pretended to be Kevin Owens. Then the real Kevin Owens came out and led to a tag match with LA Knight and Kevin Owens against uh, Austin Theory and Grayson Waller. I will yeah. say that, you know, again, I don't want to go into punk yet, but I do just want to say somebody who I think coming out of Survivor Series weekend I'm a bit concerned for is LA Knight because when you add in Orton and Punk as top names that are back, you know, all of a sudden the the chance to have a shining big moment in WrestleMania season kind of dips a little bit. So yeah. I think Knight's really going to have to bring it these next couple of months so that he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I will say Knight in this match did a lot of the things that I'd encouraged him to do. Um, and that was like more interaction with the crowd, um, you know, with the, you know, the yeah kicks and ramming Waller and, Theory's heads into the uh, announce table and fans were chanting, yeah, and this was a really hot crowd all night. Um, and, um, you know, just more interaction, more drawing that audience in. So he's doing that, which is the right thing to do. I mean, to me, it wouldn't be the worst idea for Knight and Owens to form a team and go after the tag team belts. That would not be the worst idea. Yeah, I mean, it gives them something to do to, you know, because we're, we're kind of in that, you know, people are kind of not doing anything until Rumble, really, for the yeah. most part. So it would give them something to do. Because, you know, we had the Street Profits against Damien Priest and Finn Balor in SmackDown. I'm not a huge fan of heel versus heel matches in general. And I don't really think it, you know, did much. But it was there. But I think, you know, if you had Owens and Knight going after Priest and Balor, that's, that could be something good for them. So we'll Yeah, definitely. It. I mean, Owens, Owens isn't really doing anything at the moment. I mean, he's obviously you know, a priority and Owens and Knight scored the win here and they were both really over with his crowd. So, I mean, it's not like he's Cameron Grimes or someone like that who's no. just completely lost. Um, but I mean, yeah, he needs a purpose right now, does Owens. And I think Owens and Knight pursuing the tag team belts, I think that would be a good role for those two. And um, because right now everyone's going to be saying what you just said, Kenny. It's like Knight's previously said, well, I'm not finished with Roman Reigns. Well, you are. Because now the CM Punk, there's now Rand, now there's Randy Orton on the scene. It's fairly obvious that Orton's going to receive that title match. I think with Reigns at Raw Rumble. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a built-in story there, and it's it just makes sense. And there's going to be huge appetite for it. How do you sell Knight versus Reigns again? There's no way you can sell that match at Raw Rumble. You yeah, can sell and- you can sell Orton versus Reigns. That's an easy sell but not Knight and Reigns in a rematch. Not after Knight was beaten by Reigns at Crown Jewel. And it's also kind of intriguing that when Knight came back from Crown Jewel on TV, he was still talking about Roman Reigns, but he didn't mention Roman Reigns here on this episode of SmackDown. No. So, you know, maybe they're cooling the Jets with that one. But yeah, hopefully Elliot Knight can still... I mean, maybe in, maybe towards Mania season, you know, he could be facing Logan Paul for the US title or something. But then again... You know, they probably want to have Logan Paul do something a bit bigger than that, maybe. So, 
it's difficult, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll be here to chart what's happening no matter what. But let's yeah. move on to Survivor Series War Games. They were in Chicago, the Allstate Arena. I think this was the highest grossing event and attended event in Chicago, apart from WrestleMania twenty two. Was the only exception. So that's because they keep putting the ticket prices up. Ticket prices up, and also, you know, famously, no set here for yeah. SmackDown or the the show, the the PLE. So we opened the show with you know the big video package about, about War Games, and we then open it with the women's War Games match, which is Damage Control, Io Asuka, Kairi Sane, and Bailey against Bianca, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Shotzi. Now, Triple H said, Finn, on the post-show press conference, that he thought he thought that Shotzi delivered and sort of put herself on the map in this match. Now, we've been very critical of Shotzi here on the podcast. How would you assess her performance in the Women's War Games? Yeah, I thought she did well. Um, she everything. I think everything she did was on target. I didn't see her screw anything up. Um, and this is a co- obviously a complicated match. Uh, lasted 33 and a half minutes and she went in when did she go in she went in third so she was in this match a long time um so there's a lot for her to remember i mean she didn't do as much as some other people i mean to me the star of this match was bailey i mean she was so good here and um, so towards the end when she was doing all the saves and this was her best night in the ring in years, Bailey. Yeah, she was just ratcheting up the drama and there was all these different near falls and she was making the save. I always forget that it's not submission or surrender and it's a <laughs> fall because obviously we just last week reviewed the uh, 1987 War Games. Yes. And earlier this year on another podcast, I reviewed the Wrestle War 92 War Games, which was, again, submission or surrender. So I always forget that... That the matches can be end can end via pinfall in modern WWE, but yeah, Bailey had a great night here. She was so good. She took so much punishment in that match. She was nailed so hard by so many people, and you're just like, wow, she must be tough. She must be a tough lass. <laughs> she mm-hmm. really must be. But no, Shotzi did well here. I mean, she did some complicated stuff, and um, didn't you know? Didn't make a mess of anything. And you know, I'm not. I think there's a lot of people in wrestling who would not have been able to do what she did in this match. And, um, you know, at the end of the match, when the faces were sat on top of the cage, they were beaming, weren't they, Kenny? Because yes. they knew that match had gone well. You know, not yes. because they'd won. Although, you know, obviously winning and losing doesn't really matter that much if you're a wrestler. Mm. Um, it's sort of, in, that, in this sort of match, it doesn't really matter who, who won or lost this match, let's be honest. But they were beaming, I think, because the match had gone so well. Yeah, and I think, you know, if it was up to me, I would have definitely shaved sort of at least five minutes off of it, maybe six yeah. or seven. But, you know, you have to kind of accept that this is what they do. But I thought the, I thought the, the last sort of 10 minutes were really good. I thought the last yeah. 10 minutes were really good. And if you can kind of just, you know, bash your head against the wall before it so that you're a bit kind of lucid and and ready for, for how long these matches are, then, yeah, I thought that overall this was a bit better than I thought it was going to be. And the story of the match was good because obviously Becky and Charlotte are reluctantly on the same page. And, you know, that's kind of the tease of are they going to be able to coexist? Um. Because even like at the beginning, I think it was where Becky kind of like was was it fist pump or shook hands with like everybody but Charlotte. 
Yeah. So that was your kind of like tease of are they going to be able to get along? But yeah, Bailey was definitely the star of the match. So Bailey did well. The, the baby faces won when in the end Becky Lynch did the manhandle slam through the table onto Bailey. Yeah. And got the win. So the baby faces were uh, you know, very happy on top of the cage, playing to the crowd, and the crowd were uh, giving them their flowers. Exactly. Um, I mean, it was pretty much, you know, the perfect way to open the show with a baby face win. And, um, you know, and Lynch and Charlotte Flair, they appeared together, didn't they, at the press conference? And they didn't really say a whole lot, but it did, you know, it did feel like the uh, the frost had thawed for real, didn't it? Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. And as I think, you know, props to the women for, for working hard here. Uh, we then had a backstage segment with Otis and Chat, Otis and uh, Akira Tozawa, Maxine Dupree. Piper Nevin, Chelsea Green, they're all eating Ruffles potato chips, who are the, the potato chip company who sponsored the Women's War Games match. And Oh, my God. I mean, they opened the show, didn't they? And there was Ruffles. I thought you were going to say, well, we're going to talk about the opening. And I thought you were going to talk about the bags of Ruffles on the table. <laughs> you know, between Corey Graves and Michael Cole. Corey Graves, think, uh... Corey Graves returned from maternity leave on SmackDown, we should point out. Yeah, he's back from his paternity yeah. leave, so good for him. Absolutely, um, not from maternity leave, paternity leave. Yes, not maternity, <laughs> paternity, sorry. But I mean, the thing is, I mean, do you think that Ruffles are paying them more money than Mountain Dew used to pay them? Oh, I don't I don't know. But I mean, it was sort of Ruffles overload, wasn't it? Here, no And then we had this crazy commercial, as you said, with the, with the Alphas. And then Pretty Deadly turned up and we had the potato crisps versus potato chips conversation. And then... It's nice to see us being represented there, wasn't it? Our crisps part of the debate was brought to, to light by Pretty Deadly. So we, we had a dog in the fight there. Oh, we did do, yeah, that we did do. And, you know, you, you know, we're, we're with you, Kit Nelson. You know, <laughs> it's potato crisps. That's what that we works. say. And then our truth turned up behind the sofa and <laughs> appeared to be younger. He looked younger than when we last saw him. I mean, this guy just never gets any older. I know. I don't know how he does it. I mean, did you? I don't know if you clocked but on the press conference after the show, Triple H opened it by saying, you know, let's just talk about it, the big return. I can't believe Artris back. And, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I did Go watch ahead. all of the press conference, yeah. yeah so when I funny. watched it all, yeah, that was really funny. So, um, But yeah, great yeah. to see our truth back. We knew he was returning, so he's been out for, it's a very long time, isn't it? About nine months or something like that. It's a very, very long time. He's all, I mean, you talk about a guy who's got a good gig. Like Archer is a guy who you assume he's on at least, I'd say he's probably on between between quarter and half a million of a of a payday, and he doesn't have to wrestle too much. He just kind of is a bit wacky, you know, and 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 that's it. And he's paid handsomely for it. I mean, I think he's got like and I'm not making this up. I'm sure he's got like ten kids. Has he really got that many? I didn't he's know. Got, that. He's got like ten or eleven kids. Wow. Because I remember he said it about a year or two ago, and I was like, oh, so that's why he still works so much um, I mean can you imagine the, having to pay for that many offspring <laughs> anyway we should have a, have a limit like China but anyway um, I mean it would have been there wouldn't it when no one was looking like you know is there any spare bags of ruffles <laughs> yeah he's wiping them I'm taking these home <laughs> taking it home for his football team but uh, then we got an ad for the Royal Rumble it's going to be Saturday, January 27th in Tampa, which ironically, as Triple H pointed out also in the post-show press conference, that was where the Thunderdome Royal Rumble was in 2021 and yeah. where most of the Thunderdome 
yeah, that, 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 and, and that's where most of that stuff happened. Yeah. We then got a backstage segment with Sammy Zayn talking to Jay Uso, saying that Randy Orton hadn't arrived yet. And Jay, at this point, says, well, you know, I'm the person who put Randy on the shelf in the first place, so maybe it's because of me. And then Sammy's like, no, you know, I've got your back. We'll handle this together no matter what. So the tease was there of, is Randy going to show up? Which... Yeah, that was a show-long storyline. Later on, Randy apparently had still not shown up, and the Judgment Day were gloating about it. So that just ran and ran and ran until the very end of the War Games match, didn't it? Is Randy there or not? Is he coming? Is he going to help out the face team against the Judgment Day? That was, uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was the storyline. You know, it was kind of a bit of a cliffhanger there. And, well, we saw what we saw at the end. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, next match was Gunter versus Miz. Yes, Gunter versus Miz for the IC title. And I know that you were looking forward to this one a lot. Did it deliver for what you hoped that it would be? Yeah, it did. I actually hoped it would be just a little bit better. I, I was hoping for about another 90 seconds when it ended, um, some more near falls, and maybe that would have just been pushing it. Maybe that would have just you know, been absurd and overkill. Um, but I, I just felt, I wouldn't say the ending was flat because I think it was realistic. And Gunter won with a Boston crowd with his knee on Mizzy's back. Um, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been realistic. Um, if the match had continued and Miz had survived the Boston Crab. But there was a couple of really good near falls there. All I wanted from this match was at least one moment when it looked like Miz might win the belt. And they did give us that. Um, Miz ended up yanking the turnbuckle pad off. And it looked at first as though Miz had screwed up, but he actually hadn't. So the referee was distracted by the turnbuckle pad that Miz had removed. And he um, he kicked Gunter in the kneecap and then uh, hoofed him in the nuts and then hit the school crushing finale. Um, and that was the that was the you know the really close near fall that people thought might be the finish. So yeah, I think this did everything it was supposed to do. Miz brought it. It was a serious performance from him. Um, Gunter at first was dismissing Miz as you know this you know whimsical frivolous challenger who was. No competition to his, you know, his longest ever reign as IC champ. And, you know, so, you know, the psychology and the story of it was exactly how we thought it would play out. And in the end, as I said, Gunter won by submission with the Boston Crab as he placed his knee on Miz's back. So it was the right outcome. And there was no way Miz was going to win the belt here. I mean, Corey Graves brought up the betting odds at the beginning. I can't remember exactly what they were, but the betting odds were if you put money on Miz, then you were an imbecile, basically. <laughs> Do not bet on the Miz, you know, because he's not winning this match. No, I, I I thought this match was decent. I don't think I, I I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. And I think that yeah, the the this was a, a better match than Miz usually has, and it was a match that wasn't as good as Gunther's usually is. But I think that was no. inevitable because you know Gunther is used to having these like really epic matches with yeah. people like Chad Gable or whoever. So yeah. when you get in there with Miz, you can't really... Miz is not magically going to be able to you know, become this like really technically crafted wrestler. But I thought they did a good job. They got you to the near fall where people thought Miz was going to win. The crowd bought into it. So I think they probably did it for the right amount of time because yeah. you know it took it took those kicks to the, the, the nuts and the, the skull crushing finale to get to that near fall which is how it should feel because Miz is not on Gunter's level. And yeah, I yeah, thought you'd have, overall... to take a, you'd have to take a shortcut in order to yeah. score that 
you know, near that false finish, that ultra close near fall on Gunter. And you think, well, yeah, I mean, well, he had that you know, Gunter had a really good match with Champa and Bronson Reed. But I mean, Miz is not. I mean, even though he's obviously a veteran, he's been around and he was a big star once, he's not someone that anyone can really take seriously. And that was the whole story of the match, wasn't it? So you can't suddenly then book Miz in a 20-minute match with Gunter and have him score like 10 near falls on him because that there would then diminish Gunter's worth and diminish, you know, the um, you know efficacy of his reign because Gunter is on a much higher level than Miz. So the match had to be laid out in the way that he was. You couldn't have Miz almost beat Gunter five times because that just would have been unrealistic and that would have been damaging to Gunter and wouldn't have really done a whole lot for Miz either because he is where he is and he's always going to be at that level for the remainder of his career. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, we then went to the Judgment Day's clubhouse where we had Priest, Balor, J- and JD talking. Uh, they were talking about how, you know, this is Donna's first PLE main event, which, I mean, I, I don't think any of us could have predicted that JD McDonough would be in the main event of Survivor Series in his <laughs> life. But, you know, he owes Finn Balor as many beers as Finn Balor wants to have. Yes, so, he certainly um, does. He does. I mean, this is a guy who earlier in the year, I remember thinking... He was in the around about the same position as Rick Boogs. And I remember, I can't remember which show it was. It was a show with a battle royal in it, royal on it, possibly. SummerSlam. SummerSlam. It was, it was SummerSlam. And uh, Rick Boogs was hurled out and JD was hurled out around about the same time. And I remember thinking, it's not looking good for JD. It's not looking good for Boogs. <laughs> it was actually on the next Raw. Um, Ballas said, oh, you know, JD is my buddy and kind of was at that beginning of the process of trying to recruit him to the judgment day. I thought, ah, maybe he's going to be all right. But had that not happened, yeah, he could well have been, he could well have been sent packing in September along with Rick Boobs. Yeah, it was a, that thing I, that thing I said last week or whatever it was for, you know, guys like Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro and JD McDonough, they wouldn't have a chance on the main roster if it wasn't for factions. So it shows you that the factions can can help guys who probably need the assistance to just kind of get themselves out there. So Absolutely, yeah. That's it. They can, um, yeah, they're never going to be pushed. Well, maybe JD one day will get over. You never know. Maybe he will be pushed on his own merit. But at this moment in time, he would not be pushed as a single star. But as a part of Judgment Day, then yes, he can play a vital role in WWE. Yeah, 100%. So then Dom comes in and says that uh, 
a little birdie told him that Randy Orton wouldn't be here tonight, and that's when Balor was kind of, you know, salivating that it might be, you know, five on four. So uh, then we got Santos Escobar, we should mention on the SmackDown the night before, Carlito talked about how it was going to be his first WWE pay-per-view match in like 13 years or something like that, or 15 years, it was a long time. And then, of course, he got attacked by Santos and was taken out of the match. So Dragon Lee, who they had a video package about on SmackDown, kind of promoting his life and career so far, he came in and asked Nick Aldis if he can take his place. So we've got Escobar and Dragon Lee here. They only got about seven and a half minutes. Um, I do think if it was up to me, I would have taken five minutes from War Games and given it to these guys. So I think they could have done something a bit more memorable. But, you know, when you're given a seven-minute match in the middle of a pay-per-view, it's tough to to make it memorable. But Santos did get the win in the end. What did you make of the match? Yeah, he won with a Canadian destroyer, which I think uh, they described as a south-of-the-border destroyer. This is not a move we have seen often in WWE, Canadian destroyer. Certainly not overused like it is in AEW. (laughs) And I was really pleased that... Escobar did the destroyer, then hit the Phantom Driver, and that was the one, two, three. Because I mean, over in AEW, the Canadian destroyer is worthless because it's just been used and abused. So I was really pleased to see it uh, used here as a pre-finisher. But yeah, you're right; they, they needed more minutes here, Kenny. I mean, it was it was okay. Um, I mean, the crowd wasn't really that into it at the beginning. There again, there wasn't really that much of a story behind it. I just felt like the Escobar Carlito brawl, by the way, on SmackDown. I thought that was rubbish. What was Carlito doing there? It's like yeah. he didn't know what he was. It was like he didn't know how to do a brawl. It felt like it was. I mean, it was quite half paced. You know, it was like a half. It, it felt like you were watching it in slow motion a little bit. Yeah, and it's like, no, someone's got to throw a punch, and the other guy's got to sell it, and then the other guy needs to come back. And it was like it wasn't really a very exciting brawl. And then Escobar left, and then he came back through the crowd and dived off the barrier, nailed uh, Kalito with a knee to the back and then beat Kalito down backstage. I mean, it's already looking, things are already looking bleak for Kalito, aren't they, Kenny? Already. <laughs> and that Jack guy just always comes in with so much, you know, built-in baggage. And you just can feel things falling apart with him every time before they do. Hope the same thing doesn't happen to CM Punk. <laughs> Um, but yeah I mean this was okay Kenny but you're right they needed more minutes and had they been given 11 minutes I think this could have been really quite exciting and instead it was just okay so that was a shame yeah real shame actually Uh, they could have done more with with more time yeah I think if they'd had more time they could have done something pretty memorable but that's not what we got Uh, then after Santos got his win here. We moved on to Rhea Ripley against Zoe Stark for the women's world title. Rhea Ripley looked, I mean, in the way she was dressed and carried herself, she is a superstar. I mean, she really is. Yes, absolutely. We should just mention that LA Knight and Randy Savage, before this, appeared in a Slim Jim ad. Um, Yeah, yeah. So we had Slim Jim and Ruffles, my God. And then the New Day arrived in a Slim Jim race car. So more product placement. It's like watching Wayne's World, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, before you know, we'll be seeing the turnbuckles will have advertising on it. The ring canvas will have it. It's all going to be happening. But uh... yeah, I mean, yeah, Rhea Ripley looked like a million bucks here. And uh, Michael Cole said on commentary that it would be an upset if Stark won. 
Uh, you can say that again. <laughs> I mean, Stark did this completely weird move off the top rope, and I have no idea what she was thinking or what she was attempting to do. Have you Have you got any idea, Kenny? I'm sure you know which move yeah, I know, I'm referring to. I know what you're talking. I have no unearthly idea. <laughs> what, what was in her mind? I mean, um, what was that? I mean, they did manage to turn it around, and you see fans were like, you know, what's going on? You know, what was that there? Was that Zoe Stout? Was she doing an offensive move, or was she supposed to be taking a bump? And that was just a just an absolute balls up. Yeah. And um, you know, they did turn it around, and you know, there's a couple of decent moves there, and the crowd did get into it. But I've got to tell you, Kenny, I've written here this was a to me a total waste of Rhea Ripley. And it should have been Nia Jax on the other side of the ring to Rhea. Yeah, she's... Yeah, I agree. I think that it was fine, but Zoe Stark is not over. No. Therefore, it's like you've, you know, you've got Rhea who's really over and you've got Zoe who's not. It's, you know, it's like the opposite of the Miz thing because Gunther was put in there with the Miz not because of what Miz can do in the ring, but because Miz is an over character. So, you know, by Gunther beating Miz, he's got another notch that he can say, well, look who else I've beaten. I've beaten this Grand Slam champion guy. But with Rhea Ripley, yeah, she... And even if they wanted to hold off the Nia Jax match to Rumble, I think he could have maybe put Shayna Baszler in this spot instead. And had her kind of... You know, I just don't think Zoe's ready for it. And I think that... I'm not convinced she's ever going to be ready for it. I mean, you know, she's she's she was pretty good in the ring in NXT... And I'm not sure if it's like the big venues and she just isn't that wrestler anymore and just isn't really comfortable out there. Or maybe it was a smoke and mirrors thing. And sometimes people seem better in NXT than they are because the standards are lower. Um, But I mean, this was a bad night for Zoe. And her only, this was her opportunity in this match, if it had been really exciting to prove that she deserved like the tag team belts with somebody or yeah. a, more of a more of a push, no one thought she was going to win. But you know, best case scenario for her here was to have a hell of a performance against Rhea, and she, that just didn't happen. So yeah, very very disappointing, uh, really. And I, I'm really disappointed for Zoe actually because, as I said, this was. This was a big test for her, and to me, she flopped. She failed, and uh, you know, it gives me no pleasure to say that. I mean, for me, I thought the match was fine. I don't think it was a bad match, but I, I just think she needed to have a standout performance, like you say, and it was uh, just uh, kind of uh, yeah, exactly. She needed something bigger. She needed something mega here to really justify because why right, when she was uh, when she was chosen as uh, Rhea's opponent, I was like, why Zoe Stark been chosen? or selected as Rhea's opponent on a big show like this. No one thinks she's going to win. Um, and like, so the only, yeah, the, the only way this would have worked is if it, if Rhea had looked like she was going to be beaten several times, almost a little bit like the Miz and Gunter thing, not yeah. five times because obviously Rhea's similar to Gunter and uh, Miz, you know, the power imbalance there or star imbalance there. Obviously Rhea's a much bigger star than Zoe is. But she needed to bring it in the ring to really justify WWE's decision to make her the challenger on such a big show. And she didn't do that. Um, well, let's move on to from there. We had uh, the, the backstage segment with Seth Rollins. And, he's quite, and he was in the locker room with the, the rest of the team. They were looking quite stressed. You know, or- Orton's not there yet. Jay's convinced it's his fault. And Cody said, look, he'll be here. Trust me. 
So that was kind of the sell for the main event. And then we had the match itself. We had the, the main event men's war games match. We opened the, the match with Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. And I think this war games match was probably my favorite modern day war games match that it has been. And I think it's because there is story throughout it with all the different things that are going on. And I think it worked better for me. I I still probably would shave five minutes if I had the choice. But overall, I thought they did a really good job building it to the Randy Orton thing at the end where he would be the last one to get in. And then once he was in, it was just kind of the crowd were loving it. What did you make of this match? Um, yeah, I, re- I did enjoy it. Yeah, it lasted um, 34 minutes, 22 seconds. So, I mean, this was shorter than last year's um, epic with the bloodline. It was about 40 minutes, wasn't it, last year, that match? I think it was somewhere around about 40. So this was definitely shorter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you said, Balor and Rollins started it. JD was in next. And then the J came in, Damian Priest, Sami Zayn. Um, you know, we had the props, we had a bull rope, we had a table. Uh, we should mention actually earlier in the women's war games match, we had all candlesticks and all sorts of other props as well. And, um, you know, I don't, in a way, I don't really want to see them in a war games match. Because to me, that's not what war games should be about, but that's what the audience wants to see. So, you know, I've been overruled, Kenny, because like whenever the props were thrown in, whether it was a bin lid or a, particularly a table, the crowd went wild for it. So this is what the audience wants. wants. So, yes, keep the props because, you know, these are a hit with the uh, with the fans. Um you know, at one point, Rhea Ripley ran out um, with the briefcase. And uh, it did seem inconceivable uh, <laughs> quite how that was going to happen. I do not know. Damien Priest was going to cash in before the War Games match ended because Randy Orton hadn't arrived at this point. So that was a bit silly, really. But it was, you know, a great setup for Randy Orton's entrance music to play. And, you know, the crowd lifted and Orton came in and, you know, hit the power slams and a DDT. I mean, Orton did sell. McIntyre and Priest um, double-teamed Orton. And Orton went down. And, um, you know, then we had a square-off between Orton and Jay. And, you know, was Orton going to attack Jay? And as you said, Kenny, there's stories throughout this. Also, I mean, the fact that there was a bull rope in, in the match, that was, you know, obviously a nod to Dusty Rhodes. That was his preferred gimmick that he always used. So that was a nice throwback there to Dusty, to Cody's dad. Um you know, so when, yeah, so once Orton was in, you know, the match beyond began and it really lit up the place. It was electric from that point on. And there was a really good spot there at the end where JD tried to climb out of the cage and, uh, and Zayn and Rollins stopped him. And then they hurled JD off the cage into Orton's, you know, RKO. So that was really funny watching that. That was set up so well. And then Cody nailed Priest with crossroads and Cody pinned Priest for the one, two, three. So, you know, it's funny because, you know, you were talking about the, the spot where Randy Orton does the, the, the RKO when JD's getting thrown off. We yeah. were watching it intently to see, could you even spot a second where it didn't work? He connected with that so well. Yeah. Like he just was exactly in position and, you know, he was, he was, it was just so crisp the way Orton did it. And I thought that... Yeah. And this was his first match in eighteen months. Yeah, he didn't take a bump. We should mention he he was it was it was selective what he did. I think that 
him being a War Games match was probably good for him as well because there's not a high level of expectation. Yeah, Triple H brought that up, didn't he, at the press conference? Yeah. So I do, I mean, he's definitely been to Holland and Barrett since he left. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. But, you know, um, he's he's looking good for, I think he's, what, 43 now? 43, yeah, yeah, born in 1980, I think, April 1980, I think his birthday. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's 43, so he's, he threw a th- I think he threw a thing up when it went off the air saying like 10 more years. So he's obviously <laughs> feel, feeling good after the after the match. I mean, we'll see if he, if he keeps that uh, thought up in a year when he's been back and grinding <laughs> again. But he, he, yeah, he's, he, seems, he seems very happy and I thought he had a good performance and the match overall, and I don't like war games as a match, but I thought they, they did a really good job for this one. Yeah, I thought so as well. I mean, it's very different to the old war games, which are more like fights. You know, you watch the 87 war games, you watch the, you know, 92 wrestle war war games, and it's the very different animals, the vintage and versus the modern war games matches. Um, but, you know, wrestling's different in 2023, and that's just the way it is. So, I mean, I actually prefer the old ones, but I thought they did well here. And, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got to tailor your product to your audience. And the fans were really into both of these war games matches, and you know, you know, you know. Therefore, I think you've got to say these matches were successful because the crowd were into them, and no one was buried, and lots of stories were advanced. Um, you know, it, and you've got to just sort of say, yeah, they, they went in there and they really delivered. You know, they gave people lots of props and lots of bumps, and you know, lots of you know, stuff that you won't see in other matches. And that's really the sell, selling point of War Games, isn't it? That it's a yeah. very different match to any other match that they do. So I think it did everything that you would ask from a War Games. Um, and it was two babyface victories, so everyone went home happy. And, um, you know, let's face it, if CM Punk hadn't come out, I think people would have still been very satisfied with what with what they, with what WWE delivered at um, at Survivor Series, particularly in that final match, because you know the Orton return was a big hit with the crowd, and he looked really good, and everything that he did was was on time and on target. Um, but then we got that extra, didn't we, Kenny? After the match, yeah. I mean, I feel I feel like people would have been happy enough. I don't think I don't think it would have particularly gone down as any sort of memorable Survivor Series because we've seen so many war games and stuff. So I think this this kind of icing on top of the cake. Is going to kind of make this a, a way more memorable event than than it would have been without it. But I mean, did you? So when we were watching it live, because Ollie was around and Jen, we were all sitting watching it, and the music hits because the 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 little graphic comes up to say you know it's the end of the show, yeah, and then they pan to the an entire view of the arena, including the two cages, which is a shot that you would not do as you go off the air. Like it just would not be what you do. And then Punk's music hits, and we just kind of looked at each other like, this isn't happening. This isn't really happening. And then out he comes. He somehow looks younger than he did three months ago. So he looks fresher, and he comes yeah. out. The crowd are just lapping it up. They're going crazy for him. And he's just playing along. And then the show, you know, he kind of takes in the, the crowd. He's going to see the fans. And the show goes off there. I mean, a blockbuster moment a blockbuster return and triple h did say at the press conference that you know if some if the fans want something i'm gonna give it to them yeah and that that's what they've done so what, what did you make of the 
the, the return overall, the, the presentation and just, I guess, the idea in general? Well, I mean, I didn't watch this till Sunday morning and I just, I, I, um, I actually watched the press conference first. I'm not sure why, because I don't normally watch the press conference until I'm going to write about it. And uh, Byron Saxton uh, was there and he opened the press conference. And, and can we just acknowledge Byron Saxton's skin, Kenny? My God, this guy could have the best skin of anyone on planet Earth. This guy should be, she should be like, he should be working with all the top skincare product companies. <laughs> so, I mean, so Byron's, oh, this blockbuster ending. I'm thinking, well, what, what was the blockbuster ending? So I looked it up online. So, oh, CM Punk returned. Oh, wow. So I put war, I put the war games match on, I put the uh, final war games match on, whizzed it to the end, watched <laughs> the Randy Orton run in. Um, you know, really enjoyed that. And um, and then the graphic came up about, I don't know, five minutes before um, the runtime ended. So I figured, oh, wow, <laughs> this is it. And as you say, uh, they then went to a wide shot and, um, you know, the cool uh, personality track played and CM Punk graphics appeared on the big screen and the crowd went wild. And it was like this double shot of, I mean, Randy Orton wasn't surprised because obviously they'd announced on Friday on SmackDown with the graphic that he would be a member of Cody Rhodes' team. So that wasn't a surprise. People knew he was going to be part of the team. The storyline, as we've just discussed, was will Randy Orton show up or not? And he, of course, he did. So technically, that wasn't a surprise. So the CM Punk return was the only surprise on the show, apart from our truth, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, you're right. He just... He look, just looked so, he looked like five years younger than when he returned to AEW. And he just looked so relaxed and overjoyed to be there. And I'm sure the reaction was just like the most amazing, you know, intoxicating moment possibly of his career because fans were so into him. I'm sure he was having flashbacks to 2001 when he appeared on, Episode two of Rampage, wasn't it, Kenny? Not the yeah. first one, the second one. Yeah. And he made that appearance on Rampage, and that was an amazing moment as well. Uh, I'm not sure which was better. I think they were both amazing, the Rampage moment and this as well. Um, but yeah, I, I was, you know, I was, I've got to say, I was, I was really pleased to see him. I was really kind of moved by it. And I just thought, this is business people working together and doing what's right for business. And it's like putting, obviously those grudges, these ran for years. We know about, we know what happened. We know why he left. We know what happened in the interim. We know it was really bad. Um, but as I always say, Kenny, if Bruno can return, anyone can return. And Bruno San Martino's animosity with Vince McMahon and WWF after he left in 88 or whenever it was. Um, and, you know, before he then returned for the Hall of Fame at 2013, well, they put the deal together, 2012 it actually was. But, I mean, they were odds for over two decades. I mean, that was so, so bad, so bad between those two. And if Bruno and W and Vince could reconcile, then certainly Punk and... Paul Levesque could reconcile, and they did. And I'm really pleased that it's happened. I think this is a really good thing for the fans. I think it's a really good thing for WWE. I'm really looking forward to his interactions with Paul Heyman. 
I mean, I think that's going to be magic. We're going to have Punk and Paul Heyman, and how's that going to affect Heyman and Roman Reigns? This could be, you know, this could be the thing that completely reignites the whole bloodline thing, Kenny. You know, we've got Heyman and Punk, and then after Heyman finishes speaking to Punk, or as he's speaking to Punk, Heyman receives that phone call from Roman Reigns. Heyman's like, oh, my God, you know, and then runs off. uh, Oh, hello, my tribal chief. And that there, what a moment that's going to be. You know, that just writes itself. So I'm sure Heyman right now, he's doing Mm -hmm. backflips. I'm sure he's so pleased about this because this gives Reigns and the bloodline that huge jolt that it desperately needs right now. And we should mention the Seth Rollins outburst, the Seth Rollins tantrum at ringside, shouldn't we, Kenny? It wasn't actually on TV, but was filmed by many fans and posted online. Do you want to take that one? Yeah, so basically when the show went off the air, so when Punk came out, all the War Games participants were still down at ringside. So I think like the, the... the heels were over in one ring, kind of recuperating, and the baby faces, like two, I think Orton and Jay or so were in the ring, and then Seth was on the outside with Cody and Sammy, and Seth basically starts throwing this hissy fit, and just sort of screaming, you know, if this, that motherfucker, and you know, I'm going to punch him out, if he, if he's still down there, and Michael Cole and Cody Graves are trying to talk him, talk him out of it. Now, this is all an angle, obviously, sure, but the thing is, it's like, and I, I'm, I do not want this to be... It'd be very easy to make this a kind of a pick to AEW, right? It'd be very easy to do it. I don't think it's really that fair to do it because everybody knows the situation and what's happened, whatever. But, like, you look at Seth Rollins as an example. He doesn't like CM Punk. We heard what he said in January. He called the guy a cancer. Yep. And on night one, in the first two minutes that he's there, Seth Rollins is working an angle and using his real-life feelings to make an angle seem real and it's like welcome to where professionals work exactly and where people because i get because what the young bucks and kenny omega should have done is they should have got together with punk with tony khan ironed out everything and said look you know we don't feel that we were what happened to us was fair we want an apology punk would have apologized because apparently he was willing to and then they should have worked with punk and then when the program got over people who don't like the Young Bucks, would have been like, do you know what? Fair play. You know, they 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 were the bigger people here and yeah. they didn't have to be. But instead... No, but, but you know, no, they should have done that because A, they're supposed to be EVPs, right? They yeah. just signed new massive contracts and they should have done it. And right, yeah. and if they didn't want to do it, Tony Khan should have said, right, you're under suspension without any pay until you do this angle, you till you till you do this storyline with this guy, I'm paying you all this money, right? You need to do this storyline and this feud with this guy. In fact, you know what? He should have insisted on that, Kenny, before he signed them to those new deals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, because... by then, you know, obviously the lines of communication were open between Tony Khan and CM Punk. You know, it was pretty obvious when Punk was not given a contract release that he was going to return. I mean, it was obvious really by, I would say by February of this year that he was going to make his comeback. Um, and I believe the books and Page and Omega, did they sign around about May or June? I think it was. I think it was after FTR signed and they signed, I think, in April. And I think, was it around about May, June time they signed the big deals? I think it was around about then, wasn't it? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It was early summer. Sorry, I'm just trying to think yeah. when it was early summer. It was when they signed their deal. So yeah, yeah so they would have been they would have been in negotiations for quite a while prior to that because we know that they effectively negotiated those deals as a as as a four act unit, didn't they? Yes. Can well, had to know at that point that CM Punk was going to return, so he should have insisted that this feud took place and that they were to work together before he signed them to those new deals. Yes, a hundred percent. That's what should have happened, and you know, and, and then and then you know, you even, you take away the Seth Rollins thing. You know, you've just lined out there or lined up some of the possibilities with the bloodline and Roman Reigns. The thing about Punk being here is that there's so many possibilities of what he can do. There is yeah. the bloodline stuff. There's the Seth Rollins stuff. There's the, and I think this is a real possibility. There's the Steve Austin match, yeah. and that's still an option because. Austin has said he's not going to come back for something that doesn't creatively stimulate him. We know he can't have the Lesnar match because of what it would do to him physically. But the Punk match, I mean, that's kind of... I, I think that, that's probably going to be on the table. So you've got that. Cena could wrestle him again. I know it wouldn't be my choice, but, you know, <laughs> if they want to bring <laughs> Cena back, you know, he could wrestle him. But um, And there's so there's so many different choices. Kevin Owens is someone he could wrestle. Yeah. Um, there's there's loads of people who he could be in there with, and I think that the thing that is good, the thing that's the biggest kick in the balls for Tony Khan and makes him look bad is that the guy who was arguably the biggest star that he had in the beginning, because remember they had the, the EVPs before they had Jericho, was Cody, and yeah. Cody went back, and then Cody now is the number two guy in WWE at the moment, and now. Punk, who they had, who was AEW's biggest star ever, yeah, is now probably going to headline one night at WrestleMania, and Cody's probably going to headline the other. So, <laughs> so you know, he's kind of he's lost two of his biggest names, yeah, and it's just not a good look that these guys because like if people go to the other side and it's kind of and they do okay, that doesn't matter. But if Punk was such a liability in AEW and he comes here and he does well. It's going to make Tony Khan look bad, and he will do. I, I'm I'm going to make a prediction. Okay, this, let's this hear punk, Kenny. Let's hear that prediction. This punk run is going to go well, hundred percent, because he he can't get away with the stuff that he did in AEW, no. and he, he knows can't. that. Yeah. So he is, no, and also I think that in WWE, you know, you heard it on the press conference by multiple people. It's like a team atmosphere, and people want to like work for the team. And I just don't imagine anybody in the WWE roster is going to really particularly want to get into backstage drama. Like, nobody really seems to be that bothered about it in WWE. So, you know, the only guy that you could maybe say, like, say Roman didn't like him because of, you know, the, the whole potential story back in the day that Punk wanted Chris Hero in the Shield instead of Roman or whatever. And then Punk made the podcast comment about him. Who's in Roman Reigns' ear all the time? Paul Heyman. And Paul yeah. Heyman's going to be going, look, the best thing to do for business here is to work with him. And, yeah, I mean, I think Punk might win the Rumble at this point. You know, he's now got to be somebody who's a favourite. He's on Raw tonight, which seems like a wild thing to say. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's it's not a great... I, I wouldn't want to be Tony Khan today or, or on Saturday night because... You know, you kind of you're already trying to fight an uphill battle against the top company who are really hot, and now they've just signed this guy who 
If he, he, was, he fired because apparently he was out of control and he was, yeah, you know, he was somebody who was, you know, behaving in a threatening manner backstage. It's like, well, if WWE was really concerned about him, they would not have signed him, you know, three months later, would they? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's like, it's yeah, and the, the fact that you know, if if he was such a and again, I don't want to say you know we've said we've talked about this before. He did have the backstage incident with Jack Perry. He yes. did have the the fight with, um, he did have the fight with the Bucks and Omega backstage at all out. So we're we're not saying CM Punk is this innocent virtuous angel or anything, but WWE are not signing this guy if they think he's going to be somebody who's going to be a constant pain to deal with. You know, he's he's had a conversation with Triple H. They they feel that like they're on the same page. They're actually probably very similar as people when you think about it. So they probably at this point can get on quite well because there's no competition sure between them. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is a it's a big get for WWE and I think it's a pretty exciting one. Yeah, I agree. I mean I mean it could, you know, it could spiral out of control. It absolutely could do. I mean, look at Punk's track record. I mean, there's obviously been problems with him, but I think a lot of conversations will have been had you know, about, you know, the heat with certain people. I think Punk today, or if it hasn't happened already, will be happening at some point today. There will be a backstage conversation between Seth Rollins and CM Punk. They will be in the same room together. Yeah. And whatever heat there is between them will be mostly extinguished. Maybe not completely, but mostly. And there will be that conversation. And I'm sure they're going to reach an understanding that these two are together, the professionals are both making a lot of money, the veterans now, they're at the top of the card, and whatever problems there were, let's leave that in the past, let's work together for the good of our careers, for the good of the fans, and for the good of the company. And I'm sure that will be the joint mentality they have. And um, yeah, maybe there'll be some problems. You know, there may be problems, but I think it'll be managed very well. And the first hint that anything's becoming a problem or there's any sort of real heat um, developing or catching fire, I think Levesque will be in there. He'll be on it like a cow bonnet. He'll be putting that out. He'll be coming in with the, you know, with the firefighters. <laughs> He'll be putting those fires out, you know, before they have a chance to, you know, turn into a wildfire at a blaze backstage and cause a lot of problems that could threaten um, you know, the morale in the locker room, because that's the last thing they want. You yeah. know, they've got a very good backstage environment there overall, and they don't want someone coming in there, you know, and poisoning the well for everyone. So, um, well, also, I think that's part of the what you're saying there is a really good blueprint to lay out of what, you know, Levesque might do. Because with in, in AEW, I think one of the things that kept making things worse no matter whose side you're on, is the fact that the Bucks and Omega refused to speak to him in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And they were just like, we're we're not speaking to you. And that's got to be, you know, that, that's got to be something that's quite frustrating. And I just feel, don't feel it's something like Seth Rollins or Randy Orton or Brock Lesnar or anybody in WWE is going to be somebody who's going to... I don't want to use... T- <laughs> I, I really don't want to use the term be a little bitch. But it's the it's the phrase that's in my mind. Um, you know, it's, people are just gonna and I and I get that again. I I get that if the Bucks were you know the fight happened, they can you can say in a meeting, look, you put your hands on us, it wasn't fair, we didn't deserve it, blah blah blah. 
you're within your rights to do that. But if you're an EVP who's then actively costing the company money, and and because I do believe if the Bucks and Omega had sat down with with Punk and they'd ironed it out and they'd done a program together, I think things would have worked out. I don't think it would have been perfect, but I don't think that you would have had issues going forward. No, but, I mean the the Jack Perry situation would never have happened. No, because that's a direct direct correlation between his friendship or mentorship by the Bucks. Exactly. That would never have come to pass. It just wouldn't have done. And it would have been a much better backstage environment for everyone. And it's yeah. just, you know, it's almost has this sort of ripple effect, doesn't it? Or like, you know, domino effect where one problem leads to the next. And it's like someone needs to step in and say, no, we're not having this anymore. You know, this needs to stop today. We need to sort this out and we need to be professionals. And, you know, when people are getting paid a lot of money, and you know they are supposed to be professionals. They're supposed to act like professionals, and not just in the ring, but backstage as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is great news for for WWE. And you know, also just finally, Kenny, I think this is really, I think this is wonderful news for Punk because he's gone back there. We know he he made that appearance backstage back in April, wasn't it, when he met the Miz? Yes, um, at a WWE event. Obviously, we we saw him there getting Tamina's autograph in the car park. <laughs> but also, his, but the most imp- but the most important part of that was when he saw Triple H. Yeah, and he made there was there was a point of contact made because he probably saw that this could be a possibility. Yeah, and he put that co- because I I wonder if that hadn't happened and they hadn't had a contact, would it have been tougher to get them together? Maybe, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, he was the one who extended the olive branch there, wasn't he? He was the one who very much like um, when he returned to AEW, he was the one, listen, I'm willing to meet with the elite and let's sort this out. You know, let's resolve this. And they didn't reciprocate. You know, they didn't accept his invitation. So he went there to WWE and met with The Miz and Lebec and others and then was asked to leave and didn't have you know, throw a hissy fit about it. It was like, yeah, fair enough. I'm under contract to the other team. I might not be working there at the moment, but I'm under contract to the other team. And, you know, I've been respectfully asked to leave. I'm going to respectfully comply with, you know, that request. And I think he did himself a lot of favours there. You know, that was, you know, just, uh, you know, doing the groundwork for a potential return. But, you know, what I was going to say, I think this is wonderful for Punk that he's returning to WWE. As we know, place he left in January 2014. And there was so much, you know, strife there. And it just got so much worse after he left, as we know, for reasons we don't need to go over again. And I think this is, you know, you know, laying those ghosts to rest and just, you know, putting that, you know, bile and that bitterness, you know, away. And I've read a lot of comments online, oh, you know, He's gone back, you know, he's gone back after all the bad things he said. Well, you know, you either reconcile, you know, you either get over all that bitterness so you end up like Ollie Anderson. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even Brett went back and it's like, and obviously it was very hurtful to him what happened in 97 and he went back in 2005, wasn't it, to do the uh, DVD? And yes. And 2006 to do the Hall of Fame induction. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, this bitterness bitterness and, and like, indignation and all these other sort of emotions just, like, wear you out and they're very bad for you personally. And, um, you know, reconciling and forgiveness and, you know, making amends, atonement, whatever, and, 
you know, it's getting along with people. Oh, God, I wish more people, especially online, Kenny, <laughs> get along with other people. And this is, you know, this is what makes getting up in the morning and living life, you know, joyful, you know, getting along with people and, you know, doing the right thing and, you know, just being, you know, just, you know, just getting along with people rather than just holding all these grudges, especially over things that, you know, 10 years later, is it really worth holding a grudge over something that happened all those years ago? Is it really? And yeah. um, Punk obviously doesn't think so. And good for him. You know, he's he's moved on. He's put the past behind him and he's starting again. And it almost a bit like the Goldberg thing, Kenny. You know, that was obviously a very bad experience for, for him in WWE 2003, 2004. And he went back and, okay, it didn't end on the greatest of terms. But, I mean, it, it was certainly a much more enjoyable experience for him a second time than it had been the first time, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think I think this is gonna be I think also for 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 fans, like even if you don't like CM Punk, you should be happy that he's back because then the conversation will stop of when's he gonna turn up somewhere? Where's he gonna be? That would dominate yeah. everyday conversation. So, you know, now we know where he is, he's gonna be on Raw tonight. I'm curious what I mean, we know he's gonna be working with Seth Rollins. Is that gonna be is that going to lead to WrestleMania where that's where they have the match? Is it going to be at Rumble? I mean, we don't really know. We, it, it's all kind of up in the air, but I think, yeah, it's, it's the optics of Punk potentially main main event. Let's remember, that's the one he wanted to do that he never did, which was main event at WrestleMania. Yeah. He wanted to go on last. So that's obviously going to be something he's keen to do. Yeah. Cody's probably going to do the other one. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a... WWE seems to have done very well. And and also it's like if if they can if they can make this punk thing work, then it, it makes AEW look even worse. If they can make it work, it does. Yeah, uh, it's. Um, I mean, it's an exciting time for him, and I can't imagine that Punk is going to be wrestling every week. Um, in he may, I think he wrestled very seldom, very rarely on Raw, because I think they're aware that you know he's he's not as robust as he once was. We saw that in AEW. Yeah. And I think they're gonna they're gonna just say, well, listen, you are more effective, use sparingly. You know, we're gonna use you, you know, on a regular basis in angles and on promos and possibly he'll sit in on commentary. But I can't imagine that he's gonna wrestle that often on Raw because you know, we he the last thing he needs is another injury before WrestleMania WrestleMania season. You yeah. know, that's the last thing he needs. Yeah. It's but I mean it's yeah, very exciting time, and we'll see what happens. You know, when we come back on Thursday to do Power Slam, we'll we'll be talking about what he has said on Raw. Yeah, as I mean, because the thing is, the style of CM Punk doing promos is a little bit work shoot, a little bit of having real life digs. So I wonder if we're going to get a dig of some kind. I assume we will, because that's kind of what he's known for. It's yeah. interesting that I don't know if you saw this, but Tony Khan was interviewed today by the BBC in the West Midlands. Yes, I saw it. To promote yeah. the on sale of All In. And he was asked by the guy about the CM Punk thing. So here's just a tip, right? I'd, I'm not here to tell you that I am a great interviewer or know how to do it very well, but I can give you a tip, everybody. If you're interviewing Tony Khan and you're going to ask him something about CM Punk, you need to think of such a clever question to get him to say anything. Because what the guy did here was say, he turned up at Survivor Series, were are you surprised? And Tony's answer was, I legally can't talk about it. Once he said that, where can you go? 
<laughs> like, well, you can't really, you can't really do that. And so, I mean, obviously, he he he's saying he legally can't talk about it. So maybe there is something legally going on. With them. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe the terms of the, mind you, I mean, when after he was after Punk was fired from AEW, I mean, it was quite a. <laughs> I mean, the press release or the statement that AEW put out was not complimentary towards Phil Brooks, was it, Kenny? No. no so, uh, I'm not sure if... I mean, I don't want to get into it. I don't know what he can and can't say. But it wasn't like they were taking the high road in that no. statement that they put out after they'd fired him. I no. mean, that was... You know, that was... I was expecting a response from Punk. And to his credit, he's not really... I think he might have alluded to it, but he's not actually come out with a direct response, as far as I know, to that statement that they put out after they fired him. No, he's not He's not said a thing. So he's he's been very quiet on that front. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think he might... He'll probably he maybe imply something or hint something, but it won't be direct because... They are going to be wanting to move on. They are going to be wanting to talk about what's going on in WWE. And, you know, the past doesn't really sell tickets. You know, this right now is all about, I think, Rollins. I don't know when there's going to be Rollins punk confrontation. Maybe Rollins will just be backstage and reacting to Punk's promo. Because if they are having a match, I don't think it's going to happen to Raw Rumble. And that's still, you know, two months off. So that's a lot of TV time to fill. So you don't want to rush it. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to peak before rumble. Um, but I'm really curious to hear what uh, Punk has to say tonight on Raw. Um, and, um, you know, I'm sure, I bet Punk's really excited because his, the mood backstage is more relaxed now. And I think talent certainly of the magnitude of Punk are going to have far more um, freedom on their promos than they did under, you know, Vince's watch, where it mo- not everything was word for word, but most stuff was. Mm-hmm. So I think there'll be more of a sort of like, right, okay, you know, what are you going to say? You can't say this, you can't say this, but we're just going to let you go out there and, you know, just kind of freestyle it type thing rather than, you know, script it out for you in advance. Yeah, um, I think I think, he, I think that's what happened. He'll, he'll, but I do think, you know, because his whole career on the mic has kind of been the watch promo style. That yeah. he's known for. See, he he's going to have a couple of zingers of some kind. Yeah. It might not be, might not be, you know, at Tony Khan, but it'll be something. It'll be something that, that he says, which will kind of get people going, you know, ooh, because that's what he's known to do. So, but yeah, okay. I yeah. don't. I wonder who's going to interrupt him. Will it be Seth Rollins? Will that be what we get straight away? Who knows? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. I'm really. I mean, I want to see him on SmackDown. That's where I want to see him. But, I mean, maybe Orton will end up on SmackDown because I think it's going to be Orton, Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble. So yeah. maybe We should mention he... Orton's also on Raw tonight as well. So, But, I mean, that could be to set something up. Because, I mean, what you could do is you, it might be that Punk turns up tonight and says that, you know, his, his goal was always to main event WrestleMania. That's why he's back. He's entering himself in the Royal Rumble. And, you know, if he wins the Rumble, that could actually create quite interesting dynamics of him potentially choosing Roman. Or potentially choosing Seth, and then that gives us the the Heyman interactions that we want as well. Yeah, absolutely, so. absolutely. I mean, Reigns could dispatch Heyman to talk him out of challenging Roman. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if he then does well, we don't think he's going to challenge Roman because we think that's going to be Cody Roman at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of mileage in that. 
uh, and it makes Reigns more interesting as well. I mean, we were talking about this, it makes the bloodline, you know, there's more depth and there's lots of different directions you can go uh, with Punk as an associate or member of the bloodline, potentially, or associate of Paul Heyman. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's that that there has, has got a lot of potential. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, listening to what he has to say tonight on Raw. And we'll be talking about that on Thursday, won't we, Kenny? Yes, we will. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to us talking about it. And, yeah, an exciting time. And we, we thought that we were going to kind of be, I said, I jinxed it. I said it would be a quiet December. <laughs> look at that. Look at what we've got now. So... Yeah, but it's, 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 the thing is, rarely do you get a moment in wrestling where nobody knew about it. You know, media were basically saying it's not happening, and yeah. fans, you know, this was, you don't get moments for this a lot, so it's, we need to kind of savour these while we get them. Yeah, well, you go back and read what, uh, what I wrote in um, issue 38 of ITR magazine, and I, I wrote something about that, and it was just, you know, if this is happening, I think the words I wrote were, were very, very few people will know about it. Um, so, I mean, to me, this was... I I thought that if this was going to happen, then it would be very, very hush-hush. And I believe it was only Levesque, Nick Khan, and CM Punk who knew about it. And that was it. At least yes. that's what uh, Levesque said at the press conference. And I believe that to be true, because if more people knew about it, then there would be more potential of the story being leaked and it wouldn't have been the surprise that it was. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I believe that the story, I believe the story that's uh, been spread that, um, you know, this happened very quickly. I believe that to be true. Um, and I think, you know, I think there was a lot of will on both sides, obviously, for this to happen. And um, the timing was perfect. And uh, I imagine afterwards, everyone was buzzing. Uh, and I thought Paul Levesque did a, an amazing job of staying cool at that press conference, Kenny. Because mm-hmm. he must inside, he must have been buzzing. But he seemed <laughs> really cool, didn't he, at the press conference? Yeah, he was. But also, you know, I think the thing is, like, well, I mean, so, like, sometimes when I'm on stage, if I'm doing something, you know, sometimes you're just buzzing about something, but you kind of have to just keep that buzz internal. That's the job. You've got to try and, you can't always just be, like, giving every high fives and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's what he did. He, he came out and he was, very professional about it. He he obviously talked about it, said that when the speculation died down and nothing was actually happening then, it actually did start. So mm. I also thought it was interesting that Vince McMahon had nothing to do with this deal, uh, according to reports, and also TKO, tri- uh, Triple H said that they did not know this was happening. So <laughs> they just, him and Nick Cannon get free reign to just put together deals. So And that's the way it should be. Because these are the people who are hands-on running WWE and you don't complicate things by, you know, going, having to run everything by your superiors. You know, you if you've got carte blanche and, you know, you have complete autonomy over who you hire and fire, mm-hmm. um, then that's the way it ought to be. And that's the way it is. And, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that Vince has not been involved in it. I mean, if he'd been there, he probably would have overcomplicated it and possibly scuppered the whole thing. Um, you know, so uh, because it was Vince and, um, you know, you would think that Punk's received assurances that, yeah, he's still, in, you know, he still owns the shares and he's involved on a business level, but he's he's not involved on a creative level. So Punk must believe that's true because 
obviously he felt he got burned back in the day. So he must have a lot of faith that this is the Paul Levesque show. Because I don't think he would have signed up for this gig uh, if he didn't believe that to be true. No, not at all. Uh, well, listen, yeah, that's all the time we've got for today. We will be back on Thursday to talk about Mr. Brooks and his comments on Raw and Randy Orton and see if it gives us any sort of hint as to where things are going with anybody. So yes. we will we will see what happens. But yeah, well, thank you for all your support, everybody. Issue 39 of Inside Drokes Magazine is out now. So do go collect that at InsideDrokesMagazine.com. And obviously the Power Slam yearbook from 1994 is out. <clears throat> I'll, I mean, I'm a fairly big whack of the stock is already gone from uh, purchase the pre-orders because it doesn't come out till December the 4th, which is next Tuesday, mm-hmm. week tomorrow. So Don't we'll it... have it in stock yeah, yeah. then. What is it? Yeah, December 4th is next Monday, a week today. Next Monday, there you go. So it'll be in stock next Monday. It will start being sent out on Tuesday to everybody. So you can get, get it in time for Christmas. So, yeah, please do go check that out. It's a limited run, and once the run is gone, the run is gone, and we move on to the next one. So uh, do, you know, tell tell your other half, you know, for Christmas, tell them not to get you another Lynx Africa set and another, <laughs> you know, fucking advent calendar or, you know, selection box. <laughs> Power Slam yearbook. That's yeah, you don't, you don't need that jumper from Max and Spencer's. No. You can buy one of them anytime. Exactly. You tell your other half that there's only a, a limited time to get the personal yearbook 1994, and that's what you want. And then on Christmas Day, whenever when all the family are over or all the people that you don't can't be bothered to spend any time with, you can just sneak off <laughs> and read Hulk Hogan's interview in issue two. So there you go. Um, but yeah, we do hope you check that out. And uh, you know, if you like what we do. Patreon is the best way to directly support the podcasts, and that allows us to keep doing the podcasts. So, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. The Survivor Series 2003 review went up today. We did with Sandra, which is great. It's always funny to for Sandra and Finn now to record in the afternoon when Sandra's barely awake and Finn's wondering why she's barely awake and um, <laughs> and how long it's going to take for the C word to be introduced. So, uh, she, I've got to say, Sandra, she kept her perfect record alive. She did, she did. So I feel like people now now people expect it. So she's got to deliver it at some point. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for all your support, everybody. Talk to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.